All right. Good morning, Crossroads Ministries. Uh, I want to thank you guys for being here this morning and joining us. Uh, for those of you who are joining us online, I want to thank you for tuning in. If you're in the auditorium with us this morning, would you please stand and worship with us? Here we go.
this morning. Amen. Please stand to your neighbors. Say good morning. Say hello. Shake a hand. Meet somebody new. Good morning, Crossroads. You guys can have a seat. Good to be with you. Love the shaking of the hands. It's always a beautiful thing. Thanking God, because not too long ago we were not really doing that, were we? So this is very, very cool. Hey, listen, isn't that a great song? Can we thank God for our band leading us in, in worship? Love that. Hey, church, I want to just, uh, first of all, I want to welcome our guests. Uh, all of our guests, welcome. Thanks for being here with us. Uh, thanks for just taking time and being here. We think this is a really cool place because we worship Jesus, and we talk about Jesus, and that's the main goal, right? And so thanks for being with us. Thanks for being our guest. And if you're online, joining us for the first time, welcome. We're glad you are online. Let Elena know. We'd love to connect with you online as well. Listen, church, our mission is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why we exist. That's why we do what we do. And so one of the things that we do is we put on Trunk and Treat. This last Wednesday, we saw 500 plus kids, more than that. Uh, Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, And there was a light up on this hill on Wednesday of a church who loves Christ reaching into the community and showing them the love of Jesus Christ. So can we thank God for this last trunk and treat? You guys were awesome. The team that served, just from handing out candy, I, I definitely caught ear of a few people that were just like looking around. They're just like, I just can't. This is incredible. Like, who, how, how does this all happen? You know, somebody that, you know, could walk up to me and said, like, seriously, who who takes all the time to put their trunks together like this and take it to this level? And I'm like, yeah, I said, our people are pretty cool. You know what I mean? But listen, you guys take a next level to see these kids just have an awesome experience. You know, families are having a safe experience and just they're like, something's different about these people. And so we were breaking some ground on Wednesday. We were cultivating that ground, breaking it up. And and listen, you're going to watch some of these families just go, I might come check out that place. So awesome. Good job, church. It It was a great time serving. Yep. And then listen, when you walked in, uh, you saw the Operation Christmas Child boxes, those little uh, green and red boxes. I want to encourage you to grab one and grab a few. Uh, and then come on out on the, on the 13th of November. That's a Sunday. We're going to be having our church packing party. And then that 14th to the 21st is going to be the week that you can bring in all those boxes. And then we will pack them up uh, and send them on to the next stop. But listen, uh, if you want to check out our website, you can see more information about how you can pack a shoebox online and then everything that I just talked about as well. Stop by the, the table in the foyer and you can connect with the Operation Christmas Child team and they'll be able to answer any questions you may have. But listen, jump in on this church. This is a great opportunity to, to serve and to see these kids who are going to open these boxes to see a life change because of a little box. It's pretty, pretty, it's it's just very powerful. And so, uh, listen, a birthday gift to Jesus. In your bulletin you saw, there's a handout in here. It has the list. Uh, Inside is the list of all the different missionaries and organizations that we support uh, on the birthday gift to Jesus. So here's a challenge. One, pray about your part. Read through these, look at the names, look at the organizations, and pray about your part in the birthday gift of Jesus, and pray about how you can give more to Jesus than anyone else on your Christmas list this Christmas season. So our birthday gift of Jesus goal is 100000 and so that's what we're praying towards. And so ask God about you, how you can be a part of this and what part he wants you to play, and then just... We're going we're gonna to roll. We're going to watch what God's going to do. It's going to be incredible. Last but not least, I'll let you know that our Thanksgiving Eve uh, night of worship and communion is going to be 
on the thir- on the 23rd of November at 7 p.m. It's going to be a night of worship and communion, and we're going to hear stories of life change. It's a special time, and then afterwards, grab a couple people and go get a piece of pie. All right? So that's going to be on the 23rd of November, our Thanksgiving Eve gathering, a night of worship and communion. So come on out. It's going to be a really special time. And church, thank you for your faithfulness in giving, uh, for giving through the mail. And then there's boxes here in the auditorium and in the foyer and for giving through uh, online as well. You guys are awesome and just being faithful and giving unto the Lord and just worshiping him with your finances. God's been good to us and we're giving back to God and saying thank you, God, for all you've given us. Church, would you stand as we continue on this morning? Father, we come before you and uh, we just commit this time to you. Uh, thank you for uh, loving us and thank you lord for just at that time in our lives uh, god when we just were just lost and without hope and because of your loving kindness uh, lord it, it showed us that we needed you it showed us that we could not do this life by ourselves and lord i, I just think about just everybody in the room those watching online lord uh, we're, we're we're families trying to raise our kids uh, we're trying to figure out what's our purposes in life lord we're single and trying to find out, Lord, what the next step is, God, where kids are out of the house and we're trying to say, okay, what's our purpose now that our kids are out of the house, God, or, you know, maybe we're not, uh, we're about to get married, Lord, just so many different situations, God, or uh, Lord, maybe we've lost a loved one, we've lost somebody important, God, there's just so many different facets to the relationships that represent this room, and God, I thank you that at the end of the day, that you know every single bit of our story. Lord, all the bumps, the bruises, the highs, the lows, God, and that you love us through it all and that you want us to draw close to you through it all. So, Lord, help us to draw close to you this morning. And, Lord, as we respond in worship, as we respond in song, may we just lay it on the table and just say thank you, God, for loving us, for sending Jesus Christ to die on a cross, to rise three days later, to be our risen Lord and Savior, to be our King. And we want to worship you and say thank you for that. Thank you for hope. Thank you for just healing for purpose in Christ. And we ask that all in the name of Jesus. We all pray. Amen.
Okay, you know this song, and I want you to sing with all your heart and soul, because Jesus is our Messiah. He is here with us today, and He loves you. He loves you so much that He went to the cross. Praise Jesus this morning with us.
Father God, we come to you this morning because those words are so true. You are holy forever, Lord, and I'm just picturing us that day when we're all together, the millions and millions and billions of people that have accepted you as their Lord and Savior, that they will be sitting around your throne, standing around your throne, lifting their hands, their voices, lifting their all being to worshiping you, Jesus the Messiah. We are new creations in you because of what you did on the cross for us all those years ago, Lord. And we thank you for that because without that, we would be separated forever from an almighty God that loves us so. Help us to see and know the love that you have for us, Lord. It is unconditional. It is love that goes beyond anything that we would know. Help us to rest in that love, Lord God. And we want to praise your name this morning because you are here with us. You are here with us and you love us. We praise your name. Amen. All right. What a great day. What a powerful day of worship. Amen. God is good. God's been good. Let's thank our great God this morning. What a good God we serve. Amen. We have been going through the 23rd Psalm, our series entitled My Shepherd. And as we've, uh, we've been looking at it last week, we suggested that if you're dealing with anxiety, and we all are, are we not? From time to time, there's just things that will just shred us to pieces. And so if you're dealing with anxiety, the 23rd Psalm is a powerful psalm to help you with, uh, with anxiety. And, uh, and as a matter of fact, one author, his name was Charles Allen, uh, he was a pastor in the 50s, he suggested reading it five times a day. Once when you wake up, once right after breakfast, once right after lunch, and once right after dinner, and then once before you go to bed. And it wasn't just to kind of go through a ritual. It was to, to help you get the, 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 the depth of what God is talking about here. And when you get the depth of what God is talking about and you, you understand who he is, now it translates and it, and it helps, you, helps your soul. It helps you deal with all those anxious moments that you must deal with. So it's Psalm 23, beginning in verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, <clears throat> I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. And so as we, uh, as we jumped in last week, we looked at the Lord is my shepherd. Like, this is the shepherd right here. And when you know that he's your shepherd, that is, the, that is what the whole passage is about. It starts out about him. Most people, when they come to this, they want to they look at us. Well, this, this, this psalm is really about your shepherd, what he is doing for you, who he is, and looking at his character. And then he says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And so as I was looking at that green pastures, what, what is this green pastures all about? And I realized that in America, we're really not an agricultural society. Um, we don't have too many shepherds around here. Are there any shepherds in the house today? Okay, none. There are no shepherds here today, right? So we don't really understand this whole shepherding thing. We don't understand the relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. As a matter of fact, if you were to go back in the day, and uh, you remember all the westerns whenever you know, when you were a kid and watched all those westerns, the, the uh, rawhide. Did you ever see any sheep on rawhide? No, it was all cattle, right? And they talk about all the cattle. And uh, you'd see the, you know, would you ever see any sheep on the Santa Fe Trail? No, it was all, it was all cattle. But the, the reality was that there were more sheep than cattle back in the day. Little known fact that really helps your life today, right? There were more sheep back in the day. The first census taken after the livestock, the first census of the livestock taken after the Civil War was 46.3 million sheep versus 28.5 million cattle. 
And uh, today, as you go out west, a lot of those uh, a lot of those highways out west were originally sheep routes. And so when you go back and you start to understand, it's like in the eight, uh, late 1800s, early 1900s. Man, there was a, a real deal. And some cities they even got their economy based on on the on the sheep. So the greatest conflicts came not from the cowboys and the Indians, but between the shepherds and the cattlemen. Uh, Diamond Field Jack. You may have heard of this guy, Diamond Field Jack. Um, again, these guys are pretty old here, right? So this is some history here. Diamond Field Jack, he was a gunman hired by cattlemen to kill shepherds. And what was the deal? It was all over pasture. Uh, listen, when, a, when the sheep would come in, they would, they would just destroy. I mean, they would come in, they would eat the grass and rip it right at its root. And, uh, and you basically would have this big muddy mess afterwards. The cattle grazed a little differently. And so you had this conflict between the cattlemen and the, and the shepherds. And a good shepherd would always defend his grazing lands at all costs. A good shepherd is always going to make sure that his sheep has the grazing land that he needs. And so as you go through this, you look at this and you say, well, what does this mean? The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Well, the pastures were something that the shepherd took care of. As a matter of fact, the, uh, one publication said that shepherds think of themselves as grass farmers because they're always worried about the, uh, worried about the pasture. They're always taking care of them. And, you know, if, and you look at the, the conflict between shepherds and actually in the Bible, you can even see that over just tucked into First Chronicles chapter four, verse 41 it says, but during the king of reign of king of Hezekiah of Judah, these leaders of Simeon invaded the region and completely destroyed the homes and descendants of Ham and the Munites. No trace of them remains today. They killed everyone who lived there and took their land for themselves because they wanted its good pasture land for their flocks. Much of the stress from shepherding comes from, from taking care of and making sure that there's good pasture lands. And so the psalmist, when the psalmist says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. Man, there's something powerful there in verse 2. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. When he says that, he's saying, man, listen, I'm giving you green. Green, that's the sign of the rich pasture, right? You look at that hillside, you think of this beautiful hillside, and the, and there's, the sheep are just going to come in. There's a diligent process that the, that the shepherd goes through. That he, he does painstaking care to see that his sheep are fed. And so Psalm 23 is not talking about sheep. It's talking about you and I. We're the sheep and we have him as our shepherd. Jesus is our shepherd. And so when we look at Jesus as our shepherd and we're the sheep, now you begin to put this into process. Now you begin to see because there's actually three pictures that we're going to look at here today. Three pictures that the, that, the, that the word green pasture tell us. Number one is a picture of provision. A green pasture is a picture of provision. Man, it just follows right along. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. I shall not want, right? And he says specifically, I have green pastures and I have still water. Man, God is always looking out for our needs. He's always looking. He takes care of his children. Um, he, uh, he supplies our hunger and he supplies our thirst. He takes care to need, meet those needs. And, uh, and the shepherd, he, uh, for, for us, I want you to know that your shepherd is looking at your needs and he's taking care of your needs internally, externally, and eternally. He's got heaven figured out. 
Heaven is already taken care of. You have this wonderful place. But he has also said that he has come that you might have life. Look here in John 10, verse 9. He says, I am the gate. Whoever enters in through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and they will find pasture. The good shepherd is going to take care of his sheep. They're going to find pasture. He says, he says, the thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. I have come that they might have life and that they might have it to the full. So he's talking about a life that is while you're here on this earth, you get to have the, the presence of God in your life. You get to have life that is to the full right here. And he says, I have come that they might have life and have an abundant life at that. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his sheep, lays down his life for the sheep. So the significance of those words, he makes me to lie down in green pastures this morning, is not, is not saying that, hey, the sheep are saying, wow, look at all the food, I'm happy. What it means is that the sheep have already, have already grazed till they're full. And they're going to lie down and then they're going to rest. Now, I want you to check this out. Um, again, I'm not a shepherd. But as I understood this and I'm starting to read this, sheep never eat sitting down. Sheep don't eat laying down. They eat standing up. So why does the scripture say he makes me to lie down in green pastures? Here's what would happen. The typical shepherd would get up about four in the morning and after the dew has been fresh on the, on the, on the, on the grass, he would get his sheep out and they would begin to graze and they would just be eating and eating and eating four hours, five hours till about 10 o'clock, six hours till about 10 o'clock in the morning when the heat of the day would begin to kick up. And then the sheep would find a place of shade. And they would sit down in the shade, and if you look over, you would notice that they're just kind of chomping. Right? The sheep are just doing their thing, and they're chewing away. But they're not eating. They're chewing their cud. And I know this is a little bit gross, right? You know, there's like, they have multiple chambers in their stomach and all that. And, and so it's called remuneating, right? So they, they bring it up again. They have breakfast twice, you know, and uh, that happens sometimes, right? So they eat this and they're chewing it all day long. I mean, they're just chewing their cud. And you look out on the field and if you were to go to a, to a good, where there's a good shepherd, you'll see that those sheep have been contented. They're taken care of because, because they know that they, they've had provision. And what they're doing is they're living in the, the joy of the blessing. And so the, the application for us is when he says he makes me to lie down in green pastures, sometimes I think, wow, God has got to slow us down sometimes, doesn't he? I know he has to slow me down often. I'm like racing to go all the time. And God says, hey, I want you to slow down and I want you to enjoy the green pastures. I want you to enjoy because I'm the provider. I'm not the provider. God is my provider. He is the one who takes care of his sheep and I'm his sheep. He is the one who owns me. So resting in the blessing. And I want to ask you this morning, are you resting in the blessings of God? Or are you looking at what you don't have? Are you thinking about what your neighbor has? Uh, When we make the Lord our shepherd, now check this out. When we make the Lord our shepherd, that's whenever he becomes the owner and he sees to it that all of our needs are met. That's why it's not a struggle for him to be in charge of my life. That's why it's not a struggle for him to be in charge of your life because when you hand over the ownership, he has more resources than you can imagine. 
Ephesians 3.20 says that he, he provides exceedingly abundantly above what we could ask or think. So we have this wonderful gift of prayer. We get to go to God and we get to talk to him. And he has all the resources of the universe at his command. And he can, he can take care of my needs. He will take personal ownership of my needs. That's what he does. You know, if you go in uh, 1 Kings chapter 17, you'd read about a guy named Elijah. And God told Elijah, he says, I want you to go over to this brook. And uh, when you get to the brook there, you're going to stay there. You're going you're to drink from the brook. You're going to do what I've asked you to do. And the ravens will come and bring you food. And verse 6 of that chapter says that, So Elijah did as the Lord had told him, and he camped beside the brook. And the ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. You know, God is going to supply in his own way. God is going to supply in his own timing, and he's going to do it in the way that he sees best. So why do I need to be restless whenever I know that he is going to be the one who's going to supply? Um, think about this. In Matthew, 20, uh, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Jesus himself said, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. That's a tough statement, isn't it? We just came out of the season of shutdown. The whole world was fearing because there was a virus. They thought it was like the Denora smog. If you've ever read about the Denora smog, people were hiding. People were, some people are just now coming out. They're worried about what? Their life. doesn't mean that we shouldn't take precautions. doesn't mean that we shouldn't be, be wise. But there was a fear that came over our world, and people were worried about their life. And Jesus here says, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink. Boy, I'm hearing a lot of this out there right now. Price of gas, price of food, price of everything's going crazy, right? It says, don't worry what you will eat or drink or about your body. Hmm, that's a big one. What you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Then he continues on. He says, look at the birds of the air. Look at the, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? And so the Lord is our shepherd. He says, under my ownership, I'm meeting your needs. He meets all of our emotional needs. He meets all of our relational needs. He meets all of our physical needs, our heavenly needs, our spiritual needs. He has got it under control. And so when the sheep go out and they are, they are resting, they are laying down in green pastures, it's not because there's just plenty of food. It's because they're resting in the presence of God. Man, those sheep, they go out and they eat and eat and eat and eat. And that man, then they've got to lay down in the cool and they continue the digestion. And I think that God wants us to do the same. I want you to understand that sometimes we look at life and we think, well, God, what are you doing? I know sometimes I look at life and I say, God, what's going on? Why is this happening this way? Well, if you go over to John chapter 11, you'd see Jesus was called to, uh, to help Lazarus as he was sick. Jesus had went around healing people everywhere, and he was called to, to heal Lazarus. And he gets there, and Lazarus is dead. 
And everybody was like, it's too late. It's over. What you've done is, you, you, why, were you, why didn't you care about us? Then he raises Lazarus from the dead. Um, if you go and read about over in Matthew 14, you read about the storm. Jesus is sleeping in a storm. Jesus, don't you care about us, they said. You're sleeping. Man, we're going to die. Don't you care about us? God didn't do it. He didn't meet the needs of how they thought he should meet them. He gets up and he calms the storm. Um, he arrives at Mark 5. He arrives at Jairus' home for, to heal his daughter. It's too late. It's too late. And as you look at these things throughout life, it's easy for us to think, man, God, what are you doing? And I want to remind you that God's delays are not God's denials. Remember that. Just because it didn't happen in the timing that you think it should happen, God's delays are not God's denials. God, God has a plan, and he's working, and he's working his glory in your life. And that's what you've got to understand. You've given yourself ownership to God. Now he is going to work his will. His glory is going to be worked out in your life. And so God works through all these situations, through the good and through the bad that you're dealing with. Second picture this morning is the, the green pastures is a picture of peace. Boy, there's never a day that needs peace more than today. Our minds are content is what this says. The picture of uh, the green pasture is a picture of peace. Our minds are content. You know, sheep won't lay down if there's trouble. If they feel insecure, if they feel frightened. Sheep just won't lay down in those moments. Um, Sheep that are grazing, that are happy, they're they're easily startled whenever a stranger comes in. And uh, one shepherd told the story of, a, of how that he had his sheep and, the, and, and a, a kid came in, just a, a stranger, somebody that they didn't know. And the sheep just got all rattled and they started, to, they started to holler and they started to become extremely anxious. And man, it just reminded me of us as sheep. All we like sheep have gone astray. Don't we get rattled so easily when it's something that we don't know? When there's unknown future? When there's something that enters into our life that we're not ready for, we get anxious and we holler and we go into this moment of anxiety. The sheep lie down only when they feel secure, content, and when they're at peace. Second Timothy 1.7 For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Amen? Man, that's what God's given us. Sound mind. I thank God for that. A sound mind gives this idea of a mind at ease. Some translations will use the word uh, uh, self-control. Listen, it's this mind. I can be at ease. I can be my, my mind can be at peace. I'm not harassed. I'm not obsessed with the trouble. I'm not obsessed with the future, with what might happen, with what could happen. Psalm 4.8 says this, I will lie down and sleep in peace, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. I will lie down in peace. That's where you get sleep. You know, sleep is troubled for, for many of us many times because we are looking at the wrong thing. It, the, the peace is only going to come from God. Philip Keller uh, in his book on the 23rd Psalm, he's a shepherd, and he shares a story about, about his sheep. He says that, uh, that he talks about this. He says, you know, all, all, all sheep have their sta- uh, they have status, their status levels. All animals have this, like in societies of animals. For example, chickens. 
You may have heard of the pecking order, right? So there's, there's the pecking order. There's the, the, the head chicken, if you will, right? And they, they kind of boss all the other chickens around. You have the cattle. There's the, uh, the horning order. They're, they're the ones that will they'll horn and push the other ones around. Well, among sheep, it's called the butting order, okay? And because they're butting, like kind of checkmating each other, and, and you know, they're kind of pushing each other around. And so what will happen is that through this butting order here, the, the one who thinks he's in charge, he's just going to kind of get mean, and he kind of he becomes arrogant, he becomes domineering, and he becomes the boss of a bunch of sheep. And he maintains his position by driving out the other lambs and driving out the other sheep uh, from the best ga- grazing ground, from the best of the best. And the other sheep, they have their order from the, from the top sheep. And it kind of goes down. And, and the sheep, the shepherd said, Philip Keller, as the shepherd said, he could recognize us. He knows the sheep and he would see this and he, he would watch us and he could know their personalities and see who was the arrogant, the domineering one, who was kind of pushing everybody around. And he said, but there'd be a lot of tension that would come in there. Be a lot of stress, a lot of conflict. The conflict could be harmful to the flock. Quite often they would become edgy. They'd become tense. They'd become disconnected. They would, uh, some of them would even lose weight. I'm like, sign me up. And then uh, they'd become irritable. Like uh, there's all kind of things that could happen as the sheep start to fight. huh? And I started listening. I'm like, oh, it sounds like us. Whenever we don't get ahead, whenever I'm not number one or number two or number top ten, whenever I, and I start looking at this and I'm like, wait, these sheep experience this tension and turmoil. I'm like, that's exactly what happens to the family of God. Sometimes the sheep want to get arrogant and they want to get ahead. And it's all about me and it's all about me and it's all about me. In the meantime, Keller says that one thing that interested him the most about this was whenever he as the shepherd would come over in the midst of their squabbles and their fights, all of a sudden they got their attention onto the shepherd and the sheep became peaceful and the fighting stopped. And I couldn't help but think, what happens in in the American church and in the church at large, really, we're just humans. We get our eyes off the shepherd. We start looking at the pecking order or the butting order because we're sheep. We start looking and saying, I want to be number one or number two or number three. And God's like, don't you know I'm your shepherd? Like like the disciples, they did this. They asked Jesus, they said, who would be number one? Can we sit in the left and the right of you in, in the kingdom? And Jesus is like, you missed it. You missed it. What a picture of struggle. You see, the shepherd's presence makes the difference. And as you're going through life, there's going to be all kinds of struggles that are going to happen. And I want to take you to this this morning. Green Pastures is about looking at that shepherd and realizing that he's got everything under control. And the shepherd's presence will make the difference in your life. The problem that we have is we're looking today with keeping up with the Joneses. We're keeping up with the Joneses' kids, I should say. Uh, if in any business, any community, any uh, any family, any church, any human organization, 
There's going to be the struggle of self-assertion and self-recognition. It's just going to go on and on and on. We butt and we quarrel and we compete to get ahead. But when, we, when our shepherd is near, our minds can relax. And I want you to catch this because your shepherd is near. Your shepherd is not distant. He is here. He's with you. And he brings contentment. You see, contentment comes as we realize that he is all that we need and he meets our needs. Catch that? Contentment is realizing that he is all that we need and he meets our needs. Um, that knowledge imparts to us an attitude of quietness of spirit. And the scriptures talk a lot about quietness. Over in Isaiah 30, verse 15, the scriptures tell us, In quietness and confidence is your strength. He's talking, God's talking to his people. In quietness and confidence is your strength. Hmm, I hear a lot of ground clutter in our world today. I hear a lot of yelling and screaming and rioting and fighting. The scripture says, In quietness is where you will find your strength. Quietness in Him because of the contentment that comes from Him. Job thirty four twenty nine. when He gives quietness, who then can make trouble? Oh, I love that. Man, there's all kind of trouble happening around you. But when you are in that quiet place and you're letting God speak to you, man, He gives the quietness. Who then can make trouble? You're, under the, you're in the contentment of the Lord. Isaiah says, Take heed and be quiet. Do not fear or be faint-hearted. Oh, that's where the fear comes in. He says, do not, do not fear. Be quiet. It's in the quietness of the Lord. We tend naturally towards covetousness. We tend naturally towards trying to get ahead. We tend naturally, well, they're, they're doing well. Why am I? Why am I? Why is it not happening to me? And, and we're kind of looking all over, all over life like this. We're prone to want what we don't have rather than to enjoy what we do have. And you see the scriptures here. It says, He makes me to lie down in green pastures. That's what he's talking about, the contentment that comes from the peace of God, knowing that he's got everything under control. We are so often striving for something more. We're looking for something better. We're looking for something else. A truly content person is content in who Jesus is. And this doesn't mean that, that he just sits around and, and does nothing. It, it means that you know, he's going to have ambition. A contented person can have ambition. But it's going to be godly ambition. Um, but with godly ambition. You know, ambition that seeks God's perfect will and rests in God's perfect way. That's God, godly ambition. In Philippians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul, he says, Man, I'm pressing on toward the mark of the high calling of Jesus Christ. And he says, man, this is what God's called me to do. He wanted to take the gospel all over the world. He ends up going on three missionary journeys. But if you read, he wanted to take the gospel even further. But yet he had, he had high ambition. But yet in Philippians chapter 4, he says this. He says, I have learned whatever state I am to be content. I have learned wherever God has given me, there I can be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see, balance is found here. There's balance comes from you have your goals, you have your ambition, and then you have the outcome. I think for, for many of us, we set goals, and I think goal setting is very good. It's very healthy. We should have a, like, this is what God wants us to do. 
I've looked at my life. I set some goals in January. Man, I've set those goals, and I'll tell you what, I have, I've had a number of them that aren't getting accomplished. Man, I went after a lot of things, a lot of big goals, and the results are not as I intended. The results were not without hurdles. And, but listen, God says, you can be content knowing that, yeah, I've given you a dream, I've given you a vision, but I'm the one who gives the results. And so for many of us, we go out and we, we, we're to work hard. God's called us to work hard. Work is healthy. You know, I, none of us are supposed to sit around and say, oh, honey, I'm just going to trust God. The mortgage will be paid. That ain't going to work. Like God never said to just lay around and do nothing. He said, I've called you to do something and I'll be your provider. So we get up and we go, we strive, we press on toward the mark of the high calling in Jesus Christ. But we are content no matter what happens. We can press on, we can give our all, and yet be content no matter how the plans, how things turn out. The Christian life is a contented life. Hebrews 13.5 tells us, let your conduct be without covetousness, without wanting more from some, just because somebody else has it. Be content with what you have. For he himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Scriptures further, 1 Thessalonians 4.11, tell us to lead a quiet life. To mind your own business. Isn't that a powerful statement? I'm going to put that on my door. (laughs) Mind your own business. See that you aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands. You see the quiet life? See where the quiet life comes from? It comes from knowing that he's your provider. I don't have to get ahead. I don't have to be in the budding order. I don't have to be the top dog. What if you knew that every need was met? What if you were convinced that you had a mansion a heavenly dwelling place prepared already for you? What if you had God's guarantee that everything will turn out, turn out for His glory? What if you had that guarantee? What if you had access to the throne of God 24 hours a day, seven days a week? What if you knew that the Lord is your shepherd? Well, He is. And the question is, are you willing to... Enjoy his presence. Are you looking at the other sheep? Let me tell you something about sheep. They're nasty. They stink. And they do their own thing. I've been shepherding sheep for a while. My friend in Ecuador gave me this. When I went there into Ecuador, he said, Pastor. And he took me into the market and he bought me this. He says, Pastor. In Spanish, the word pastor and shepherd is very similar. It means the same thing. And I said, well, I have a good shepherd. He goes, yeah, you have a good shepherd. He said, but you're his under-shepherd. And you have to help his sheep. And let me tell you, I've had that in my office for the last 10 years, probably, 8 or 10 years. And it's a good reminder to me of the calling that God's placed on my life is to help shepherd his sheep. But I'm not by far the good shepherd. I'm just an under-shepherd. I don't know much about sheep to begin with, but I do know that he 
is the good shepherd and he knows everything about me. He knows everything about you. And what happens in the, in the, when the sheep get their eyes off of the shepherd? When the sheep get their eyes off of the shepherd is when all the problems come in. Whether your eyes are on your career, whether your eyes are on, on the problems of society today, whether your eyes are on disagreement within the body, when we get our eyes off the shepherd, that's whenever all the problems come. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus said, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You're not going to find that rest. You're not going to find that contentment in your job. You won't find contentment in, in, in anything that's here on this earth. You're going to find that contentment in Christ. And when you realize that he's the one who provided that job for you, now you can relax. When you realize he's the one who provided for you in all areas, now you can sit back and you can relax and know that he is God. Sheep don't really like to run. They like to enjoy. They like to take life at their own pace. They're not fond of being hurried. They enjoy the tranquil life. And he says, I want you to be contented. And that, that word content, it comes from a Latin word. Uh, con and tenio. It means this. It means to hold together. And when you're content, it's the opposite of what happens in the world. It's the opposite of greed. See, when you're content, you can hold it together. When you're not content, you tend to fall apart. You tend to be wanting more, and you'll do everything at, you'll do everything to get to that more. My basis for contentment is my shepherd. First Timothy six six says, "Now godliness and contentment is great gain. Be godly, do what His Word says, follow His ways, and enjoy the contented relationship with the Father." Um, there was a, a fellow by by the name of William Ev- William Evans. He was a Christian author years ago, and he wrote this paragraph, and I think it's pretty powerful. I'm going to share it with you. He said this. He said. It is generally recognized as being very difficult, as a very difficult thing to get God's people to lie down and rest. They will do almost anything and everything else but that. They will walk, they will run, they will fight, they will sing, they will teach, they will preach, they will work, and in a word, they will do almost anything and everything except except seek seasons of quiet and periods of rest in the secret communion with God and quiet their soul. Man, he says, Christians will do anything but that. We do not like pauses. But from the rush into the hush is where Jesus has called us. And folks, I want to take you there. I want to invite you to come and enjoy the green pastures. Get out of the rush and into the hush. Get into the presence of God Almighty. Why would William Evans write a statement and say that the hardest thing for Christians to do, they'll work, they'll preach, they'll teach, they'll be onward Christian soldiers, stand up, stand up for Jesus, but they won't get down into the quietness of God. Why? Because we're sheep. We're easily distracted. And we think because we're busy. God says, I want you to rest. I want you to know who I am. 
See, this, this is a picture of personal nourishment here. Your soul becomes fed by God. When God pours in and feeds your soul. See, that's not going to happen in the rush. Man, you guys are busy. We're all busy. We're, we're all living this out-of-control schedule. If you have kids, you're gone, man. It's, it's, it's a fun season. You're never home. I used to say when our kids were little, we were taxi drivers. We weren't parents. We took them everywhere, right? We dropped them off, picked them up. We went all over the place, right? And so you're, you're just kind of running out of control. And then you've got your job. Then you've then you got all these things that you want to do. And then, then you want to try and fit in some recreation, do all this fun stuff, right? God says, I want you to get out of the rush. And I want you to get into the hush. He said it like this in Psalm 46.1. He said, be still and know that I am God. Be still. Be quiet and know that I am God. I want to invite you today to, to, to take the remedy to that anxiety. The remedy to anxiety is not changing your circumstances. Because once you fix them, there will be another set of circumstances. The remedy to the anxiety is getting out of the rush, getting out of the torment, getting out of my mind being filled with worry and getting into the hush of God and being still and letting him fill my soul. He says, he leads me beside still waters. Sheep will not drink from a stream with running water. The shepherd would have to go out and he would have to take a stream. If he wanted them to drink from the stream, he would have to take and he would have to dam up the water and let it pond and let it pull. And then they would come and they would drink from it. Now think about this. Sheep, uh, they have an instinct. They understand that water is danger for them. Do you ever jump into a swimming pool with a wool coat on? You understand, right? That's what's happening with a sheep. They, they are deathly afraid of water. As a matter of fact, I read one story that said that the, that the, that the shepherd would come and he, would, he had a trough and he would take it and he would just pour water in. When he was pouring the water, the sheep would run and they would holler because they were scared of the, of the running water. But whenever the water was calm, they would come back and they would drink. And you know what? That's the picture for us. Sometimes we've got to slow down and realize that, God, listen, we're afraid of a lot of things. We're afraid of running water. We're afraid of that. What's the the running water in your life? What's the thing that's got you most scattered and most challenged and most scared? God says, listen, it's okay. You don't have to worry about what's going on in our world today. It's crazy out there. It's not going to get any better. I can come to the still waters of Jesus. I don't have to keep going to the rushing water out there. I come into him and I let him pour that. And he calms it. He dams up the water for me. He makes it so that I can drink. And I want to encourage you today to step out of the rush into the hush. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. I want to invite you to Jesus. He, he is your shepherd. He has given his own life. That's why he's the good shepherd. He gave his own life for us. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved from the punishment of their sin. I want to invite you to trust Jesus. That he died and he paid for your sin. And just call on him and say something like this. Dear Jesus, I need you. 
I need you to be my shepherd. You died on a cross. You paid for my sin. You're the good shepherd who laid down his life. So I trust you with my life right now. And I invite you into my heart and soul. And for others this morning, maybe for you, that issue of ownership, maybe you've just forgot that you've got a shepherd who's taking care of you. And at times, it looks like he's delayed. It looks like he doesn't care sometimes. But that is far from the truth. He's always got you. He's meeting your needs because he is the shepherd. He is the great I am. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He has every resource at his command. And he will dispense them when he knows it's the best for his glory in your life. Father, I pray you'll be with each person, Lord. As we come before you and we honor you, we bless you, Lord. Thank you that you are the good shepherd. Thank you that you are my shepherd. Thank you that each one of our church family can call you my shepherd. I ask, Lord, you'll do your work in a powerful way. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please stand as we close? coming here this morning and just uh, worshiping with us. Please have a wonderful week. Go in peace.
Cause I'm 